Welcome to the New Christian Podcast, where new Christians and seasoned Christians can get their questions answered. My name is Pastor Jim, and I'll be your host for this podcast. We'll be discussing a lot of different topics, such as how to read your Bible, uh, what it means to be a Christian in the world today, how do we live out our faith, and many other topics. Come and join us as we begin our episode. Welcome and thank you for listening to the New Christian Podcast. I am so grateful that you subscribed and that you're listening. Please leave a comment on my social media so that I can see where you are listening from. You can reach me on my social media at facebook.com forward slash Preacher Jim C. You can also find my YouTube channel also called Preacher Jim C. The way that you can subscribe to this podcast by going to the podcast platform of your choice, wherever you listen to your podcasts at, whether that be Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, search for my name, James Chambers, and there you will see the new Christian podcast. Click that subscribe button and you'll receive weekly updates from these messages. Today's podcast, we are again going to look at some doctrines, all right? So this week's topic is the sovereignty of God. As I discussed last week, we'll be looking at some of the Reformed doctrines commonly associated with John Calvin or Reformed theology. This topic, I believe, is the hinge pin and the main part of Reformed theology. The the sovereignty of God is the starting point where all other others follow okay total depravity unconditional election limited atonement irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints like we talked about last week i have already discussed perseverance of the saints so let's go back to the beginning and start with the sovereignty of god so that we can encapsulate and in um, basically uh, give you the starting point of where this Reformed theology becomes uh, scriptural. And it starts with the sovereignty of God. The scriptural references I will be giving you for you to read is Isaiah chapter 6 through chapter 7, verse 14. That's Isaiah chapter 6 all the way through chapter 7, verse 14. Go ahead and take take a look at those verses and those chapters uh, for this message. I believe this is so important to understanding. I would like to read these passages for you if you have a Bible. Go ahead and open those passages and read Isaiah chapter 6 all the way through chapter 7 verse 14. And it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with 
and full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah's commission from the Lord in verse 8. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to these people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of, the, of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and their blind and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and lands and land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and forsaken and the forsaken place are many in the midst of the land and though the tenth a tenth remain in it it will be burned again like the tibreth or the oak whose stump remains when it falls the holy seed is its stump verse chapter 7 verse or Yes, chapter 7. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jemtha, the son of Uzzah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, Pekai, the son of Remelech, the king of Israel, came to, up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim and the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as a tree in the forest shook before the wind and the Lord said to Isaiah go out and meet Ahaz you and Sherbez your son at the end of Kanduan <coughs> excuse me of the upper pool on the highway to the wa to the washer's field and say to him be careful be quiet do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Razan in Syria and the son of Remela because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remelah have dis 
devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tibal as king of the midst of it. Thus says, says the Lord God, I shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria and Damascus, and the head of Damascus and Rezin, and within sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim and Samaria, and the head of Samaria and the son of Remelah, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. This depicts the sovereignty of God. So what we are seeing here is Isaiah is Isaiah is depicting the sovereignty of God in other words, God is in total control to do anything he wants and because he is creator of the universe and the earth and everything in it he can do whatever he wishes in other words uh, a gentleman by the name of dr robert phillips in his book says this what's so great about the doctrine of grace says uh, dr phillips is, quote, the prophecy of Isaiah contains some of the boldest proclamations of God's sovereignty in Scripture. He goes on to say, quote, Isaiah's message about divine sovereignty wouldn't have been any more popular in his time than it is in many circles today, end quote. And quoting again here, he says, continuing, the answer is that Isaiah learned of God's sovereignty through his personal experience with the Lord. End quote. So theologically, what is the sovereignty of God, you might ask? There is no limit to God's rule, right? This is part of what it means to be God. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. He is never helpless, never frustrated, never at a loss. And in Christ, God's awesome sovereign providence is the place we feel most reverent, most secure, and most free, right? God is never uh, con concentrated to, or con really basically cajoled, into doing anything that he despises. He is never backed into a corner where his only recourse is to do something he hates to do. He does whatever he pleases. This means that God is also sovereign over salvation, which helps us understand the other doctrines of TULIP, which is the doctrines I discussed earlier and that we will discuss in this podcast. We will discuss each one of these in the episodes. You see, Jesus died not only to offer salvation to the world, but also to bring his people to himself to overcome their rebellion and to gather them uh, all potentially to himself. 
The truth that God is indeed sovereign should be of immense comfort and a source of strength for all of us. What does God's sovereignty actually mean? In short, God is in charge. He is in control. Let's look at four points the Bible makes concerning the sovereignty of God. Number one, because God is sovereign, he does what he wants and achieves all his purposes. Nothing can stop God doing his will. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, plainly, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. God speaks himself in, speaks of himself in Isaiah 46, 10, when he says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. God is not limited by anything outside of himself, nor can anything thwart his will, whether it be human sinfulness, rebellion, or a lack of faith, or even demonic schemes. Our God does what he pleases and will always bring his purposes to pass simply because he is God. Secondly, because God is sovereign, he is in control of the affairs of the world. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 says that he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Nothing in this happens and this happens by random chance, nor has God left us to our own devices uh, to get on with our lives independently of him. He is the ruler of the world. Indeed, he rules over the changing seasons and rising up of, raising up of kings and presidents and also overseeing their downfall. God brings it all to pass. Nothing surprises God. We can rest in this magnificent truth that the government is indeed upon the shoulders of the Lord. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Thirdly, because God is sovereign, he has chosen a people for himself before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Out of no inherit, <coughs> excuse me, inheritance, goodness or foresee, foreseen faith within us, but purely because he chose to set his love upon us. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. God sovereignly chose us for redemption in Christ, despite ourselves. God remains completely sovereign over all our salvation. It is all his work, and because of that, he will never let us go. Indeed, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. This is the greatest news for all of us. Next, because God is sovereign, he remains in control even in the face of evil, suffering, and injustice. Acts chapter 2 verse 23 says this, this Jesus, Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of foreknowledge of God for, of, for 
God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. While God is never the author or source of evil, he does permit it. The crucifixion of Christ is a perfect example of that. The greatest injustice in history was carried out by evil men, yet it happened according to God's definitive or definite plan and foreknowledge. While it is difficult to endure suffering, the fact that God remains sovereign, despite it should be to great comfort to all of us, he is able to use every single circumstance in your life to work for the good and the glory of himself. So you see, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God has scriptural support. And I believe, as a Reformed theologian, that Reformed theology itself best describes the whole of Scripture and God himself. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this week's New Christian Podcast. If you would like prayer or you have any questions about any of this or any other doctrine that we've talked about on the podcast, let me know by emailing the ministry. You can contact me at triplepministriesjc at gmail.com. That email again is triplepministriesjc at gmail.com. And you have a blessed week. I want to thank you for joining me on the New Christian Podcast today. And if you have any questions or would like help with anything, uh, feel free to contact me on my anchor.fm dashboard, uh, my Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Links links are there. And you can also reach me if you uh, are on YouTube and you search Preacher Jim C. My YouTube channel will come up and you can message me there. Uh, And I want to thank you for joining us and have a blessed day. (laughs) 